I think I feel like I just need to read um, to give us a platform to begin with. And so let's, um, let's start in James chapter 1 and uh, verses 6, 7, and 8. James 1, 6, 7, and 8. We're continuing our study on the subject of faith. We're talking about being ready for trial. We see so many places in the, in the scriptures where it talks about our, the trying of our faith or our faith being tried. And the Lord spoke to me, you know, some time ago about, you know, considering what that looks like if it were, if it were a trial like we understand, a criminal or a civil trial. And from that, I believe he's opened up uh, some understanding for us that is helping us in a practical way when it comes to, to using our faith. Um, when we talk about faith, we're not talking about something general or vague. We're talking about something very specific. And um, one of the things that we see uh, about faith is that Jesus used his faith as a tool. Um, Jesus used his faith to uh, minister to people, to help people, to, to you know, people were healed because of, of faith. And, and not just that Jesus used his faith, we see that he taught us about faith and he also encouraged other people uh, to, to use their faith uh, to receive and to experience the things in their lives that Father God desires for all of us to experience. And so we said that in this trial of our faith, anytime we use our faith to believe something, uh, you know, to receive something from God, uh, Satan is going to try to get us to back down. He's going to try to push you off that faith position because he knows if he doesn't do that, he cannot stop you from receiving what it is that your father has for you to receive. So James chapter 1 verse 6, it gives us some really, I think, important fundamental understanding on the subject of faith. And it says that when we ask, let, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So we see that um, doubt is one of the ways that our faith becomes contaminated and ineffective. And this is the, the one of the key things that Satan is trying to do. He's trying to convince uh, the jury of your heart uh, to doubt or to question what God has said and on the other side of that coin to agree with whatever it is that either the devil is saying or what uh, it is that you're desiring to use faith to change in your life. Now, let's go to some of the most popular and I believe some of the most important words on the subject of faith in all the Word of God. Let's go to Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. I've said something similar to this throughout the course of our study. We're now uh, 11. This is the 11th part of this series. And um, and it's so, so when you cover so much ground, it's hard to um, review uh, and, and bring us up to speed. So some of these verses that we're reading and, and commenting on are verses that we've looked at and commented on extensively in the past and also some of the different elements and understanding, you know, the trial of our faith and what that looks like. So um, you can access those uh, through the church website, either podcast or video at hccnow.org. And so if you're new to this study, um, obviously there's a lot that you can benefit from that we're going to go over tonight, but there's a whole lot that's come before this, I think, that you could also benefit from if you'd like to um, access uh, those things. Now, Jesus is about to say to us in verse 22, matter of fact, we'll go ahead and read it. So Jesus answered and said to them, 
them being his inner circle, uh, his disciples. He says to them, have faith in God. So he's answering, meaning he's responding to something. And what he's responding to is their amazement uh, at this fig tree that Jesus spoke to the day before that has now withered up uh, overnight. Um, it was a, a tree, very healthy, uh, full of leaves, no figs. Um, and Jesus simply said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And the next morning when they passed by, the fig tree had withered up from the roots. And so the disciples, um, Jesus didn't point it out to them. He wanted them to discover it. He wanted them to find it. And so when they saw it and recognized it and remembered what he did the day before, they were just in awe. They were amazed. And it was in that moment, you ever heard the expression, striking while the iron is hot? Well, the iron was hot. And, and what that striking while the iron is hot, if, you, if you're not familiar with that terminology, it's a blacksmith term. And you get the iron hot, and then, then when the iron is hot, you can strike it with a hammer and shape it and form it. And so Jesus is going to strike while the iron is hot. In other words, where their hearts are engaged while they, they are standing there in the awe of that moment and what their eyes have seen. And this is when Jesus utters these words. He says, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have, he will have whatever he says. Now, Matthew uh, has a, a similar passage that's related to this. Again, very powerful, very important. We've talked about it a great deal. I'm not going to try to go back through all these things uh, tonight, although it wouldn't hurt us. I'll just be honest with you. I, uh, I spend time meditating on this passage, and I pray that you do as well. But what we see here, of course, is in to point out that he believes and does not doubt in his heart and does not doubt in his heart that um, but believes those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Now, we've looked at many different translations of verse 24. And if you go into the original language and you look at the tenses of the verbs and, and the way you know, the, the grammatical structure of this, a more accurate translation would say, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you've already received them and you will have them. Believe that you've already received them and you will have them. So what Jesus is trying to help us understand here about faith is that when we're operating in faith, we're believing that we've already received something that we don't yet see or feel that we're believing we've already received something we don't yet see or feel. And so many times when our faith is put on trial, this is the one thing that the devil is zeroing in on. And it's um, unfortunate for a lot of people because the devil is able to defeat them in a trial of their faith because they don't even really understand this part of faith. So the way I think a lot of people understand faith let's say um let's go back to that elbow that's hurting right you you got the elbow and so um you've heard that people can pray and that sometimes god will answer prayer you know we have these vague ideas about these things but uh, so the idea is that you know we get somebody to pray with us or we pray um and then we get through praying 
and we, we see if our elbow's any better. And because the elbow is still hurting, we come to the very quick conclusion that it didn't work or that nothing happened or that the prayer wasn't answered or that the prayer wasn't heard. And if you let the devil carry you down that spiral, I mean, he'll have you believe and there's not even a God for it's over with, you know, trying to get you to believe that. Um, he'll tell you God doesn't love you. You haven't been good enough. You don't deserve to be healed. You brought this on yourself, so forth, so on. And so, again, you say, well, Pastor Mark, what's wrong with what you just said everything because the way faith works is faith believes you've already received something before you see it or feel it before there's any what we might call physical or sense realm evidence to support or confirm what it is that you have believed so if this is what faith is in essence or one way to to understand how we use faith and receive and move mountains and and experience breakthroughs in our lives. And if that's what is ultimately put on trial, then I think it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, that, that the devil is trying to get you to question or doubt whether or not you have already received something that you don't yet see or feel, that you don't yet see or feel. So let's do this. Um, I said this already, and I want to say it again because I think it it is just such an important revelation for us to understand. Father God is the jury in your faith trial, but he's already ruled in your favor. And there's nothing that you or the devil, the prosecutor in your faith trial, can do to make him change his mind. I mean, it's he can't, you know... I'm I, I, I don't I'm gonna say it this way I'm, I'm kind of tongue in cheek you know you know like it or not Jesus has already bought and paid for you to have healing like it or not he he's already I mean he's not going to take it back he's not going to be uncrucified he's not going to be unbeaten he's not going to like you know unpay what he's already bought and paid for on your on your part and so there's no way in the world that the devil can ever convince father god that you're not set, that you're not healed that you're not forgiven that or at least that's not bought and paid for on your behalf but remember he does he's not he doesn't even try to do that he doesn't have to do that all he's got to do is change your mind he doesn't have to change the judge's mind he's only got to change yours or the jury that is your heart now um I tried to come up with something catchy here, but it didn't work, and that's all right. But you remember last week we we talked about this acronym that that became popular some time ago, um, and it's the it's the it's the P U S H, and it's and it and it stands for pray until something happens. Pray until something happens, and that I'm not saying we shouldn't pray. And I'm not saying we shouldn't expect something to happen when we pray. But that acronym, I think, expresses the, the error that, that causes so many people to miss out on what it is that Father God uh, you know, has for them to experience and enjoy in their lives. Because it's not prayer alone. Jesus didn't say, speak to the mountain or ask for you know, the, the, the answer or the healing or the, the provision. He said to say it and believe without doubting, to ask and believe without doubting, to ask and believe that you've already received 
and you will have whatever it is that you've asked for. So there's this idea, and, and a lot of it is rooted in this works-based, performance-based mindset that dominates so many people's thoughts and thinking. And, and it's this idea that if we just pray hard enough, long enough, we'll somehow you know, put in the knee work, the prayer work that's required to earn or deserve or somehow, you know, curry, uh, you know, the favor of God and and, 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 and and get a miracle from him. And Jesus plainly told us that that was an incorrect approach. He said, do not think you will be heard for your much asking or for the use of your many words. He said, the heathen do this. They, they'll chant for hours and hours and hours on end, you know, thinking that somehow this is going to bring some kind of breakthrough or, or, or you know, change in their life or circumstances and and jesus is saying that's a that's a completely wrong approach um so you can pray until something happens for the rest of your life and never see anything happen until you believe see so it's it's the praying and the believing now let me show you again how how close so many people are but yet how far away, how far off so many people are is one of the more common expressions that we hear not just around church or, or Christianity, but just out in the world. We say, people say things like, we're hoping and praying. We're hoping and praying. Well, that sounds so spiritual. It sounds so religious, but that's not what he told us to do. He told us to pray and believe we've already received and then enter into a confident expectation that we will have what we've already received but do not yet see or feel. But see how we get those things out of order and we can sound so confident and we can sound so spiritual um, and believe that we are. And so I, I played around with, I thought this was the answer, but it's not. I, I played not with push but with, with bush. Uh, believe until something happens. But really that's... That's not, that's, that does, it's better than pray until something happens. Um, but believe until something happens is not it either. It's believe that it's already happened. Are you hearing me? Believe that it's already happened. And at this point, um, well, let me just keep going and you'll kind of see, I think, what, what it is that the Lord wants to breathe on and emphasize to us tonight. All right, so operating in faith, I'm going to put this up on the screen. Operating in faith involves believing something you cannot see in order to change something you can see. Now, this is important. I didn't realize how important. I, I've had this lingering around in my, in my, in my heart and notes. Um, but this is what we're going to probably focus in on the rest of the time that we have together tonight. One more time. Operating in faith involves believing something you cannot see in order to change something you can see. You agree? You agree with that? Is there, are we on the same page tonight? I mean, is that? I, I really believe. I really believe the Lord dropped that. The Holy Spirit dropped that in my spirit. Um, operating in faith. So we're we're faith children of a faith God. The just shall live by faith. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Notice operating in faith then involves believing something you can't see in order to change something that you can see. So you've got a very visible problem that nothing in the visible realm can solve. So we've got to go to the invisible realm. We've got to go into something that we can't see, that we can't touch, taste, or feel, right? Um, smell, but is real nonetheless. So operating in faith I'm talking about the very basic, fundamental nature of what it is to operate in faith. It, at its very essence, 
We're, we're believing something that we can't see. Now, this isn't just something we've made up. What it boils down to is, is what God has done. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. What He has given us, all of that, my friend, is, is, is sure. It's steadfast. It's eternal. Um, it's, it's sealed forever with the blood of Jesus and now the Holy Spirit uh, in our hearts. So operating in faith involves believing something you cannot see in order to change something you can see. Now, I want to draw your attention to a few passages. Let's start here. John chapter 3 and verse number 6. I'll give you a moment to turn there, please, if you will. John chapter 3 and verse number 6. Holy Spirit's going to help us tonight. Amen. You in faith with me? Praise God. All right. Operating in faith involves believing something you cannot see in order to change something you can see. Right, Jesus said, um, the faith that you can't see will move the mountain that you can see if you believe that when you speak to it, it has to obey you without doubting in your heart. Okay? All right, now, John chapter 3, verse 6, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, and he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, I probably should have mentioned this in the beginning. Um, What's that saying? The best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. The second best time is today. All right, so since I didn't do it at the beginning, we'll do it now. All right. We said that if we're going to be men and women who are ready for trial, because we know the trying of our faith is coming, the enemy, the, our adversary in a lawsuit, we know that the trial is coming. And so if we're going to be ready for trial, that means we're going to have to anticipate what the enemy is going to use and how the enemy is going to use it to try to create uh, doubt in our heart, which in this case is what we're calling the jury. So if, if we you know, if you go to a, a civil trial or go to a criminal trial and the prosecutor is going to make his case and then the defense is going to have an opportunity to answer, even like if the prosecution calls a witness, then the defense is going to have an opportunity to also interrogate, question that witness. And these things aren't done, um, you know, just off the cuff uh, while it's happening. I mean, witnesses, they actually rehearse. I mean, they, it, it's, 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 it's very scripted. And, and, and so, you know, the defense may anticipate, well, you know, they're going to bring up this from, uh, from someone's past. If the judge will allow it, you know, they're going to, the prosecution is going to try to talk about some mistake this person made three years ago. And so the, notice now that what's the defense doing? The defense is anticipating that that's going to be brought up and they already have an answer for it. Are you, are, you, are you understand what I'm saying here? Okay. Um, and so I'm trying to give you an example of these things. So many times, and you would think, and I'm speaking to myself as much as you. I'm not talking to you, talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. I'm not, I'm not trying to like shame or condemn any one of us, but you would think after this many times 
of our faith being tried and us caving in and missing out that we would at least begin to anticipate some of the things that the devil is 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 going to tr- is try to use against us and, and get us to doubt and and so even like when you look at like a criminal trial and 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 someone trying to bring up past mistakes am i the only person in this room that the enemy has brought up past mistakes against me to try to create doubt in my heart are you, are you follow what i'm saying so the the idea then is that that we need to anticipate and and be prepared this is what it means to be ready for trial so that when the enemy comes at us with sense realm uh arguments fact based uh circumstantial evidence all these things that we're anticipating what he's going to do. We're in, we, 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 we know the tricks that he pulls. And we're ready to shoot him down every time. This is what it means to be ready for trial. Now, this whole area, if we go back to operating in faith involves believing something you cannot see in order to change something you can see. Jesus is commenting on that, that right here. He's telling Nicodemus because Nicodemus is confused. He's like... How how can a man, when he's full grown, go back inside his mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus says, Nicodemus, this is where you're confused. This is where you're missing it, okay? Nicodemus is missing it trying to understand spiritual things, right, with a fleshly perspective. And 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 this is where a lot of people miss it. When it comes to the trial of their faith, we don't understand the difference between what is flesh and what is spirit. We don't understand the difference between what we can see and what we can't, what is visible, what is invisible. Now, if you read on through this, do not marvel, I said you must be born again. This next verse, verse number 8, again, a pivotal verse. Jesus says, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, can't tell where it comes from, where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, I could give you a whole long explanation, but let me sum it up in one simple sentence. Jesus is talking about visible signs coming from an invisible source. He's talking about something you can see being produced by something you can't. And if you're familiar with this entire um, uh, first half of John chapter 3, what brings Nicodemus to Jesus in the first place is Nicodemus has witnessed Jesus doing miracles that he that he doesn't know how Jesus is doing them. And so he's wanting to know from um, uh, uh Jesus, how he's doing the signs, the miracles that he's producing. And so Jesus is telling him, he's like, Nicodemus, you see, you see, uh, the, the, the leaves on a tree move. You don't see the wind, but you know that it's something you can't see that's producing the result that you can see. And that is in essence what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus as far as how he was able to do these miracles. He's like, Nicodemus, I'm producing miracles that you can see from a source that you cannot see. Amen. Are you with me so far? Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. It says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you can see. Is that what it says? No, it's the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony... 
By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Things that are seen were not made of things which are visible. Okay, lots we could comment on there, but let's go to a few more verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 17. I will pause for a moment. If you'd like to turn there, please, I'll wait for you. Um, again, very important verses. And in just a moment, I'm going to kind of break down and pull from all of these because there's a theme that runs through each of them. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. Paul says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. One quick comment on light affliction. He's talking about, that word is from the Greek, is the word thlipsis. I like to say that word. Um, sometimes I just say it just because. It makes me smile. Um, THL, we don't have that, um, uh, you know, letter structure in the, in the English language. But T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S, thlipsis. And it's just talking about pressure being applied to you from the outside. Again, the, this, I think, it could mean more than this, but ultimately... This certainly is describing a trial of our faith because the the prosecution, your adversary, your opponent in the lawsuit, he's trying to apply pressure to you in hopes that he can apply enough pressure to you that will get you to doubt in your heart, back down from your faith position, and ultimately not lay hold of what you had previously believed was yours. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, we do not look at, the Amplified says, we do not focus on or consider. We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are, um, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay? So we're talking about two categories here. We're, we're talking about two um, very d- different types of things. And if we take from the verses that we just looked at, we see that one is spirit and the other is flesh. We also see that one is invisible and the other is visible. We see that one is temporary while the other is eternal. And we see that one is truth while the other is fact. Okay, So I don't know if I kept those in the, in the right order. So on one side of the column, if you will, um, and we're going to call this apple. All right. So this apple category is spirit, it's invisible, it's eternal, and it's truth. Okay, over here we're going to call this orange, okay? And so in orange category, we've got from the verses flesh, visible, meaning you can see it, temporary, which means it doesn't last forever, and then fact, okay? So are you seeing these two categories? Now, this is where the prosecution makes his living, He makes his living in blurring the lines 
in your thinking and my thinking, and this is what he tries to do, he tries to blur those lines between those two things. In other words, he, he wants, he, he, your enemy does not want you to ever completely differentiate between what's spirit and what's flesh, what's invisible, what's visible, what's um, truth and what's fact, what's eternal and what's temporary. He, he wants in your thinking for there to be um, a, 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 a combining of these instead of a harsh line between them. Or let me say it another way. Uh, and this might be the best way to say it yet. He wants you to consider those two equally, right? He wants you to consider things that um, are uh, invisible, uh, at least equal to, if not less than, things that are visible. Um, he, he, let me say it another way. He wants you to put more stock in what you can see than in what you can't see. So he wants, he's constantly trying to get you and me to blur those lines. I'm giving you some insight here. The Bible says we're not ignorant of the devil's devices lest he gain an advantage over us. So I'm giving you some really, by the Holy Spirit, I say I'm giving it to you. He gave it to me, I'm giving it to you, okay? So what we're really talking about now is where the majority of faith cases are lost, okay? Because you have to ask yourself, is your heart aligned with the apple or is your heart aligned with the, with the orange category? And, and I'm using that apple and orange um, because I, I, was, I was really just meditating and asking the Lord, like, Father, I need, I need a, a way to try to explain this. And, and so have you ever heard or used the expression, um, you're not comparing apples and oranges? Have you ever used that expression? You're not, you're not talking about apples and oranges here, okay? And so it would be like, um, it would be like if you were trying to, to talk about the, the, the merits of, um, you know, let's, let's just, there's all kinds of examples, but one that if you look it up, it's, it's like somebody who's really into to, to jazz and somebody else is into ballet, and you're arguing, you know, which one of those is better. And, and they're not the same. I mean, they're forms of dance. It's like apple and orange are both fruit, but, but, and they're both sweet and so forth and so on. But, you know, you're, you're, you're comparing two things that should never be compared to one another. Are you hearing me? This is important, okay? And so this is as simple as I know how to put this to you. The devil is wanting to get you and me caught up in this trap. It's a trick. He's wanting to get us caught up in this in this trap of comparing apples and oranges. Okay? And 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 the and the reality of it is this, okay? There is no comparison between what's invisible and what's visible. They're completely different categories. But so many times we try to use one to interpret the other. We try to use one to make sense of the other. And all this does is it leads to confusion. And then ultimately it leads to doubt in the heart or the mind of the jury. So we could say it this way. Which side um, is your heart aligned with? Is, is it aligned with Spirit or is it aligned with flesh? Is it aligned with invisible or visible? Is it aligned with eternal or temporal? Is it aligned, is it aligned with truth or fact? Or how about this? Here's another way of asking the same question. Which source carries the most weight with your heart? I don't know if you've noticed, like especially in, in, in like big trials, you know, both sides has their experts. 
I mean, you know, you got one guy that 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 says, uh, yeah, you know, sleepwalking is a defense. This person was asleep. They didn't know that they, you know, did all these things while they were asleep. And then you got another. So the defense, you know, answers, you know, the prosecution answers that and says, oh, we got our own expert that says this is bogus, right? And so ultimately what it boils down to, the jury over there sitting listening to everybody, is which one of, which one of those are they going to put the most stock in? Which one is most convincing? Which, which opposing argument um, made the better case? right? So I I know that some of this may be so simple and basic, but if the enemy can get you and me to blur the lines and think of these things as being equal to one another or, or worthy of being compared to one another, then he's already got an advantage over us. Okay. Now, praise God. Where does the time go? Um, let, let's do this, and, and then I'll finish right here, okay? Um, you see, let, let's use some of the, the statements that we made last week or, or variations of those, all right? One of the things we said last week is believing you're rich has nothing to do with how much money you have or don't have. You see, believing that you are rich is based upon one thing and one thing only, right? What God has said uh, that he's done for you and given to you in his word. Remember the question, how much money do you have to have before you believe you're rich? See, this is, this is a classic example of trying to understand a spiritual invisible reality by looking at visible physical things like numbers. Okay? Are you, are you seeing this? So the, the 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 right answer is um, believing that God has the blessing of the Lord has made you rich and adds no sorrow with it. Believing you're rich has nothing to do with how much money you have. And this is the part the Lord added to, to, to us this week, added to me this week. It's not just it has nothing to do with how much money you have. It, it, I mean, how much money you don't have. It also has nothing to do with how much money you have. See, if you believe you're rich based upon how much money you got in the bank account, that's not, that's not believing you're rich based upon what, what God has done for you. That's you thinking you made yourself that way. And so the same is true with believing you're healed has nothing to do with what symptoms you have or don't have. See, because one, believing is, this is our operating in something we can't see to change something we can we're trying to take the apples and change the oranges. But if the devil can get you to take the apples and look to the oranges for evidence that the apples are working, see, he's just blurred a line there. Because what did we read in Hebrews 11? We're not, we don't look to the thing we're trying to change for evidence that what we can't see is working. What did he say? He says, faith is the evidence of what you can't see. Not a change in the numbers. Not a change in, in, in the bank account balance. Not a change even in the symptoms. You see, again, believing you're righteous. All of these, I'm just using different subjects, but hopefully by using different ones you'll see. Believing you're healed has nothing to do with the symptoms, with what symptoms you have or don't have. One's spiritual, one's physical. One's um, eternal, one's temporal. 
Right? Believing you were righteous has nothing to do with how poorly you've behaved this week. And it has nothing to do with how well behaved you've been this week. See? It's easy for us to think, well, yeah, I believe I'm righteous because I've been a good boy this week. Okay? But believing you're righteous has nothing to do with how good, how much good behavior you've had this week or how much bad behavior because our righteousness is not based upon our behavior. It's based upon a gift that we've been given and something we've become. Believing you are free. Believing that whom the Son has set free is free indeed. That spiritual has nothing to do with giving into or abstaining from certain destructive habits. Are you following me? It's nothing to do with whether or not you still crave heroin. Believing you're free is, is something spiritual. It's unseen based upon the Word of God. Whatever may be going on in your flesh, positive or negative, has, they're, they're two separate categories. So do you see how one side is spirit, the other is flesh? Let's, let's, let's try to land this plane. Do you see how one side is one thing, the other side is another? So what we see, in first, you can stand with me please. So what we see in 1 Corinthians 2 is this. He tells us, he tells us that we are to compare spiritual things with what? Anybody remember? Anybody remember comparing spiritual things with? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Satan wants you to compare what you believe you've already received with what you're currently seeing and feeling. He wants you to compare what you believe you've already received with what you're currently seeing or feeling. Right? Why, why would you make that comparison? Why, think about it logically. Think about it, Why would you make that comparison? Because you want to see which one's working. Right? Um, this morning I was looking at a video editor, and there's a lot of video editors on the market. And um, the one that, that I was leaning towards was one called Videos. Okay, V-I-D-D-Y-O-Z-E. Okay. And I thought that's interesting. It's got a lot of good features and stuff, but I've learned, you know, you just keep you keep looking. So I compared three or four of those, and I'm finding out that there's one that I think is going to be a much better, easier to use, more features, right? So why, why am I comparing at, you know, uh, six this morning, you know, why am I comparing for daylight video editors, right? Because I'm trying to figure out which one I think is the strongest, is the best, is, 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 are you following what I'm saying? So notice now, this is the subtle way the enemy works. So, okay, so I heard you believe, you know, kind of argument goes on this, I, I heard you believe that, that your elbow's healed. Why don't you see if that's working by testing your elbow, right? You see, in other words, he's wanting you to compare what you believe, okay? Let me say it one more time. Your, your, your adversary is constantly trying to get you to compare spiritual things with fleshly, fleshly things. Do not fall for this trap. Satan wants you to compare what you believe you've already received with what you're currently seeing and feeling. My friend, you're comparing apples to oranges. You're comparing apples to oranges. They, they're in two separate categories. And the, and the sooner we can distinguish, differentiate the difference, the, the, the better we're going to be prepared the trial of our faith. Amen? All right.
Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for these beautiful men and women, Lord. Thank you for these precious babies. Father, it's so awesome to see these these little ones and their mamas and daddies bringing them in here on a Wednesday night, Father. Lord, I know that they don't hardly understand even um, a, a lot of the things that that are you know said to them and, and, and what they're hearing. But, Father, they're in your presence. And... Um, you know, these, these two little ones that are here tonight, they were coming here nine months before <laughs> they were born, Father. And so we thank you for that. And, Lord, may, may we all, Father, just continue to humble ourselves before you. Um, Lord, allow ourselves to be taught by you. Um, Jesus, you said that, that if we come to you, you'd give us rest. And if we learn from you, we would find rest. And then you taught us in Hebrews that the result of believing is rest and so obviously one of the key things you're wanting to teach us about is faith is so important father and so lord i thank you that the holy spirit is our teacher and i thank you father that the things that we're hearing that that this week as we go about our daily the day-to-day walk with you and walking in faith father that when these things come up that that we'll take a step back we'll take a deep breath and we'll begin to sort through what part of this is spiritual what part of this is is physical Understand that we're using what we can't see to change what we can and that the two have nothing to do with one another other than we're using one that has the power to change the other. And so we thank you for a great week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I've said it two or three times already, but I'll say it again. Thank you for being here tonight. Know that you're loved. Know how special you are to us. And um, thank you for joining us. Pray for good things for you the rest of this week. Amen.